we promise we will not sell this to anybody else, but we will pass it on to the appropriate authorities, and they will do further investigation. Hi, my name is Tom Ward. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, just take out our information paperwork. Um, Kingdom Night. This is one of those dates to save where pastor and some of the other pastors, senior pastor and some of the other pastors, are going to provide uh, vision. We're going to thank God for what he's done in 2013, and we're going to provide vision for 2014. And that's going to be on January 26th. Wait a minute. Kingdom Night, January 26th, second one down. We have a meal to be provided. Child care to a point is going to be provided. And then so come in and deal with that. Uh, encounter, also on the 21st, going to be at New Community Center. The, uh, the not directions, but the uh, address is there in the folder. And also we have some life groups that are starting up this particular Wednesday at 630 and where's that going to be at? That's going to be at Gary Edmonds. Okay. And if there's any questions, see Pastor Dave about that. And who else? Andrew. And see Andrew. Raise your hand uh, for that. Through the Roof resumes this Friday. Woohoo! And that's going to be our house at uh, <laughs> Tom and Deb's house. And then um, we're going to change the marriage renewal group meeting only this week, this month. Normally that's on the 4th. Saturday of the month. There's your information there. And this is not just for you. This is to pass out for those who, whose marriages are good and the, those marriages who does need working. To, this is a ticket to be able to uh, give to them. We do provide child care, a meal for them, and for us. This, week, this month we're doing uh, Italian food. I think we're doing Italian foods for those who like that. And then Opportunities to serve. It's the very top one on the upcoming events. There are many needs in the body. As Kurt will tell you, as Pastor Dave will tell you, as any one of the worship leaders or former worship leaders will tell you, we always need more. And this is an opportunity to be able to serve in a capacity that uh, God has embedded skills within you, whether it's to sing or teach or play an instrument or some muscles like Trevor's got. What you got to do, like 3% body fat? You know, that's some serious muscle there. To be able to do setup and takedown in, in uh, Chris Chambers and such like that. It's an, it's an incredible opportunity to serve God by serving others. As many as you know, I'm a very visual guy. I like doing things that I can, I can see, and as a result, I get my head wrapped around it. This is for me. This is a frozen hamburger patty. And this is for you. I just did my part. I served you. But at the same time, I can't do this on my own. I provided, I provided a part. But who, who's going who's gonna to cook for me? Who's going to season for me? Who's going to serve for me? And this is a way... I get to serve you and do my part. And part of that is networking with the different ministries that I'm involved with. Thank you very much, Fred. And bringing a word as being a, a senior prophetic person here at the church and doing my part. 
There are times when I have to ask for your forgiveness because I've not done my part. I have not spent the appropriate time to hear a word for myself and for you guys. I'm going to share a word later, in the, not in the service, but to uh, an individual that it's going to be a word of encouragement. That's what prophetic is supposed to do. Encourage, provide direction, and at times correction, but it's mostly to edify. And that's what we do when we serve others. It's to edify, to help build up, to connect them. And the illustration, like I said, was to connect me and my ministry, you and your ministry, to God first of all, and then second of all to others. That makes sense? That that's what it's all designed for. Is It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about serving others. That here, there is a part that we have to do. From If it doesn't happen in here, like someone and I had to talk about this week, it's definitely not going to be happening this direction. So make sure that you're doing your part by connecting with God so you can connect with others and have that opportunity to do that. That makes sense? See, as a word, as, as encouragement and an edification. Now, we're going to... So um, collect our giving, our, Kurt, you got your people ready for that? Okay, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity that to serve you first and returning those gifts that you've entrusted us to, and, and then secondly, the opportunity to serve others. We thank you, Lord God, for what you've entrusted us. And Lord God, when you say that you've, You've made us in charge of little, then you will make us in charge of big things. That that's what we want to do first and foremost, be in charge of those things that, we, that we're held accountable by, by leaders, by pastors, by those around us, Lord God, as husbands and wives, not in such a condemn, uh, condemnation way, but in a way to say, hey, are you doing your part? Lord God, this is just one of our parts and way of being accountable is just to give back to you. In your name I pray, amen. Pastor Dave? Good morning again. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verse 20, and I want to continue to talk to you about the word of the Lord for this season. God is declaring over us that this is a, a season, this is a year of breakthrough and victory and freedom, and so we've started this year off strong, just starting this year off in a series called Overcome. The Lord is going to be teaching us, already he's teaching us giving us hope, giving us principles, giving us wisdom of how to overcome different strongholds and different struggles that people have, sin or fear or, or, or whatever it would be. The Lord is saying that we're going to overcome. You guys ready for that? Yeah. yeah. That's what the Lord wants to do. And so let's prepare our hearts to receive from the Word. As we, uh, let's make this uh, declaration. If we could uh, put up our Bible declaration there. We do this... Uh, not to be religious or ritualistic, but rather as an act of faith to speak out uh, our faith to the Lord, to speak out that we really believe that we're not just reading uh, from some sort of novel or some sort of myth or storybook, but that this is actually the Word of God, as I said earlier, that has and power in it, that Jesus' Word contains everything we need to actually release us and set us free and equip us and bring us into the purpose and plan of God for our lives. Amen? And so that's why we like to say this, because it's true, and it positions to receive. So uh, let's do that, all right? So hold up your Bibles if you have one. If not, just say it. Anyways, let's declare this. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. 
I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Amen. All right. So uh, in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, we looked at this last week as, we, as God showed us that we have the power by His grace to overcome. It says here in Romans uh, 5, verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what we were seeing last week, what the Lord is saying to us, uh, and what Paul was writing to the Romans here, is that wherever sin abounds, wherever there's sin, wherever there's a lot of sin, grace abounds more. Grace abounds more. And what we learned last week, of course, is that grace is not just acceptance. Grace isn't just uh, the reality of Jesus forgiving our sins and freeing us from the penalty of sin. It's God's ability in us to overcome sin. And, we, and I walked you through that last week. I showed you in the Word. If you missed that message, you know, grab a CD or go online. You can go to newcommunityfs.com and you can check out the... Uh, uh, Download the message, you can get it on the podcast or whatever, but uh, you, can, you can hear that word. But bottom line is that Jesus hasn't just freed us from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. That we're not just accepted in God, we are. His grace abounds to us and he accepts us and loves us because of the blood that Jesus shed for us. We have forgiveness, but we also have freedom. We have the ability to overcome sin by the power of the Spirit. And that's what grace is. Grace isn't just acceptance. It's ability. It's God's power inside of us causing us to be able to overcome. Amen? And so you'll see that Paul said things like this. He'll, he'll, he'll go on, and, and let me just run through chapter 6 real quick. He says, for example, in verse 2, How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? We died to sin. Meaning that we have passed out of that old life of bondage to sin and we literally are set free. He goes on and explains it. He says that uh, in verse uh, 4, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. He goes on to say that we've been united with Christ. And then in verse 6, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. Do you see what Paul is saying? you see what the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul? He's saying that that old man, that body of sin, what he will often call flesh, has been crucified at the cross. That when Jesus died, or rather when we put our trust in Jesus, we died with Jesus on that cross, we were buried with him in that grave, and we have, were raised with him to new life, the Bible says, so that we were united with Christ. So just like Jesus is righteous, we receive Jesus' righteousness. Just like Jesus is alive and has power over sin, we have that power because he's living inside of us. This is what Paul's saying. We are dead to sin. That body of sin, that, that body of, of, of uh, sin he calls the old man has already been crucified. And then he goes on and he clarifies it in verse 7. Listen to this. For he who has died has been freed from sin. You see that? We've been released. We've been released from its stranglehold. We have the victory in Jesus Christ. This is the reality of the cross, that the cross is absolutely sufficient, that the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, when he 
Remember when he died at the very end, when he, when he, uh, the last, some of the last words he said, he says, it is finished. That the cross, the blood he shed, is sufficient, not just to forgive our sins, but to free us from sin. To give us the victory, the authority, the power we need to overcome. And this is what the Lord is doing in our life. Now, uh, like I said, the Lord's going to bring the Lord's going to bring breakthrough for us this year because of this. The Lord is showing us how that we can overcome things. Maybe it's fear in your life. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's some addictions or bondages, desires that you have that are controlling you. And the Lord's going to release you from those things. He's going to release you, if you will, from your Egypt. But more than that, the Lord is saying that he's going to bring us into our promised land. The Lord has promises for us. The Lord has things that he wants to release into our lives and bring us into. You know, for some of you here, it might not be, you might be sitting here and thinking, man, I, I, I don't know, I'm not in bondage to anything, but there's more that God has for us, amen? Isn't there more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit for you? There's more of Christ's character for you, amen? There's more of his promises. There's more of the anointing or the favor of God for the ministry God has called you to. There's more that God has for you. It's so important that we understand that the Lord wants us to, to break through despair, break through shame, break through sins that there might be, uh, uh, might be holding us down. And he wants us to break into the victory, the ministry, the calling that he has for us, more intimacy with God, more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. Right? That's what the Lord is wanting to do, and that's what he's um, working in us. He doesn't want us to just be people who survive. Right? He wants us to thrive in his will. He doesn't want us just to maintain. And that's the thing. So Paul says that we're dead to sin. Paul says we're free from sin, free from the power of sin. But does that mean, is Paul trying to say in Romans that, so if you're born again, if you're a Christian, well, you're dead to sin, so, so you shouldn't struggle with sin. Is that, is that, what, is that what the Bible's saying? You know, there's Christians who teach that, by the way. There are people who teach that if you were truly born again, you wouldn't struggle with sin. Well, now if the Bible teaches that, hey, we better take it seriously, right? I mean, if the Bible taught that, you'd want to know, you know what I'm saying? You'd want to know, maybe I'm not born again. But these people who teach this, that's exactly what they do. They sow doubt into people's hearts. And they rob us from the victory God has for us. There are people who say that. In fact, you might not necessarily have a doctrine that says that. You might not walk around saying, well, those who struggle with sin, they're not really born again. But you might feel that way. You might say to yourself, if I'm born again, what's wrong with me? Right? Right? If Jesus is living on the inside of me, where's the power, you might think? You might think, Man, I heard you preach this before, Pastor, uh, or you know something like that. You know, I took OSO level one. I'm still struggling with the same thing. So you might say, some people say, "Well, am I really saved?" Others, they wonder, "Man, is is God's power really sufficient?" But here's the thing: what we've got to understand, and I want to show you this from the Word right now, is that when you were born again, let me just say it this way: Welcome to the battle. There is a spiritual battle. And if we don't understand that there's a battle, you will needlessly condemn yourself, beat yourself up, feel shame, discouragement, maybe blame God, give up. 
But if you understand that you are free from sin, you are no longer a slave, you are no longer a prisoner. The, the chains have been broken, the prison doors flung open, you're free. But the moment, moment that you're free, you just entered into a battle that you cannot remain passive, you cannot just maintain, you can't hide. There's no like, just keep it static in the Christian life. You're literally swimming upstream. You stop swimming, what's going to happen? The force of that stream is going to push you back. See, before, when you were not a Christ follower, you weren't even in the battle. You weren't even on the chessboard. You were just a slave. You'd already been taken out, right? You're like a, like a, a pawn from the chessboard, just sitting over there on the side, doing nothing, disconnected from God, disconnected from the purpose of God in your life. And the Lord came because he loves us and he shed his blood for us and we were born again and he put us back on the chessboard. He gave us back our life, literally eternal life, right? He gave us back our authority as his children. And now God wants to release the fullness of his purpose and plan in your life But he also, he calls you a weapon of righteousness. You've been put back on the board to advance with him the kingdom of God. And it's a battle. The enemy, but not just the enemy, the world, not just the world, your own flesh, is in opposition to what God wants to do. The battle that is raging is not necessarily out there, although there is that, right? There's pressure from the world, there's temptation, there's brokenness from the world and broken people (laughs) that might hurt us or tempt us. And there is demonic forces that try to capitalize on, on, on brokenness and our own temptations, our own flesh. But really, the battle, right here, right here. And that's what Paul shows us in Romans But if you don't understand that there's a battle, as a Christ follower, if you don't understand there's a battle, you either walk around like you're better than everyone. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I'm holier than you are. I don't don't have any problems, right? And so you end up having to ignore those problems, hide those problems, act like you're better, right? You have to come to church and say, oh, no, I'm not struggling. Hey, how you doing? I'm not struggling at all. No, no, I, I don't struggle with guilt or shame. Oh, no, I'm not struggling with any kind of sin or anything. Like, like Sean said earlier, he's struggling with envy or judgment, judgmental thoughts. He said, no, 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 I don't judge anyone. No, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Like you have to, you have to put on the mask and come to church. Why? Because you don't want anyone to know that you're struggling because good Christians don't struggle, right? But that's not true. If you understand the word, you'll understand that the moment you were born again, you entered into a battle. You entered into a battle. But the difference is, now you have the power to overcome does no good to ignore that there's a problem, that there's a battle. But it does even less good or worse or more damage to ignore the power that we have. So look at this here in Romans 7. In Romans chapter 7, I'm going to, you know, I'm skipping some verses here so we can get to the main point. He again makes a comment in verse 22, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Every time Paul says the phrase, but now, 
He's referring to, but now that the righteousness of God has been revealed. But now that you've been born again. But now that you're a new creation. That's what he's referring to. It's a very, very important little phrase that Paul uses. You can, you can study that all through Romans and other books. That he says, but now. So he's referring to, but now. Now that you've trusted in Christ, you're justified. But now, he says, you've been set free from sin. We're slaves of God, slaves of his righteousness. And he, he talks about... Oh, I'm sorry, that was chapter 6, verse 22. And then he says... Uh, he says that we're no longer in the flesh. But he goes on to explain something in chapter 7, verse 14. Chapter 7, verse 14. He says, For for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing I do not understand. For what I will to do that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So he's describing this battle on the inside of himself and as well as every believer. This, I want to do what the word says because I see that God's way is good and right. The law is not, was never meant for bondage or legalism as we might call it, but rather for our good, that the law is good, that all the commandments of God were for our good, for us to walk in his ways and see life. And he says, I want to do God's will because I know that it's good. There's a part of me that agrees with God's law that it's good. I will to do good. But man, how to do it, I don't find. So he says, what I want to do, I don't do. But I, what I hate, what I don't want to do, that I end up doing. And that's this battle that's going on inside of him. And so he explains it. To be honest with you, most of chapter, to be clear, most of chapter 6 through 8 is actually full of explanation, not necessarily exhortation. He's not necessarily telling us most of the time from Romans 6 through 8, and you can read it more fully in your devotion time this week, if you'd like. He's not telling us all these commands, things to do. Now, I'm going to show you in the next couple weeks how to apply these things, because he does tell us that. But he's actually explaining to you the battle. So that's what I'm going to show you right now. He's going to explain to you and I the battle. And he says this in verse 17, But now... But now, you see that? There's that transition again. But now, now that I'm in Christ, now that we've put our trust in Jesus, listen to what he says. But now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, do not find. Now listen to what he just said. But now... It is no longer I who do it. Wait a minute. That kind of sounds like a cop-out, doesn't it? I didn't do it, right? Like you ate the cookie, you know? Hey, who ate the last cookie? I didn't do it. It just sounds like somebody's like shirking responsibility, right? I didn't do it. Is that what he's doing? Or is he like schizophrenic or something? Well, I, I didn't do it. It was the other guy. What does he have, a personality? That's not what he's talking about at all. That's not what he's talking about at all. Notice what he's saying, but now, but now, but now. See, what what is he saying? But now, now that I'm dead to sin. Now that I'm free from sin. Now that I am born again and Christ's spirit is living in me and I have Christ's righteousness on the inside of me, he says, but now it is no longer I who do it. And he's going to explain what he means by that. He says, no, no, it wasn't I who do it. 
It's not who I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, listen, that is in my flesh. See how he made a distinction there? See, Paul's, Paul's sometimes can be complicated to understand, but if you'll take it slow, you'll see. In me, what I'm saying, guys, is in my flesh. In my flesh. Well, what's the flesh? The body of sin that Christ crucified. That old man. He says, in that flesh, sin dwells. Sin dwells. But then he says, for to will is present. See that? But for to will is present with me. Then he goes on to explain. Verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Here's here's where he gets real clear right here in verse 21. I find then a law. So he's like saying, hey, here it is. I find then a law, a principle. I find this reality, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight to do the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. This is what Paul's saying. Notice what he says here. I find a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. He's talking about two dynamics of his nature. Earlier, you'll notice in verse 17, he says that it's this sin that dwells in me, and then he says, that is my flesh. And then down here in verse 21, he says, I find that this evil is present with me, that sin in his flesh, but he says it's, evil, it's present with me. Notice what he says, the one who wills to do good. He's talking about two dynamics of what's going on inside of him. And notice he literally uses the word warring, right? This law of the flesh is warring against the law of the spirit. The one who wills to do good is Christ in him. The one who wills to do good is his born again, resurrected Spirit. Because what happened when you put your trust in Jesus, Jesus' spirit came into you and gave you life and began to will or desire on the inside of you God's will. That power, that desire that's inside of you, that like, Lord, I want to do your will, I want to please you, that stirring inside of you, that is the Holy Spirit stirring those things up inside of you. That's the Lord producing the character of Christ or the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you. But that law, that that reality that the Spirit of God is living inside of you, willing to do good, willing to do good, that law is warring against another principle or reality that's warring against your spirit. And that is the reality that you still have flesh. It's a very interesting dynamic get our minds wrapped around this. And it shouldn't surprise you and I that this is a little bit like, I'm going to get my mind wrapped around this because he's talking about the kingdom. He's not talking about this natural world. But it shouldn't surprise us that our brain has to like, what? <clears throat> it shouldn't surprise us that he says on one hand, you're no longer in the flesh. He says, you're not in the flesh anymore. He says it multiple times. He says, you're not in the flesh anymore. He says, that old part of you, it's already been crucified. You're not in the flesh. 
then why do I still struggle? Because the flesh is still hanging around. Those wrong ways of thinking, those wrong ways of speaking, those wrong ways of doing things, still, that old man is still hanging around. And it wants, wants us to do it that way. Those worldly desires, those wrong ways of thinking, pulls us in this direction to say, hey, walk in this way still. See, so you're not in the flesh anymore as a Christ follower. You're in the Spirit. You're not a sinner anymore. You're righteous. You are dead to sin and alive to God. You have power. You have victory. You have freedom from sin. And yet there's still this flesh that Paul says is there. He says, in me there's this one who wills to do good. Right? Verse 21. And yet present with that one who wills to do good is this flesh in which sin dwells in that flesh. And this is where the battle is raging between the spirit and the flesh, between the desire of God in you, the will of God in you, and your own selfish desires or sinful desires that are still there trying to pull us in that direction. But Paul is saying that the evidence, one of the evidences of being born again is that inside of you is that desire to do the will of God. He's saying, if I will to do God's, if I will to do what God says to do, then that's evidence that it's not I who sin, but the sin that dwells in my flesh. The very presence of that desire inside of you is him stirring up his character inside of you. But that's the war, right? That's the war. Do you see that in that one verse? uh, In verse 22, I think. Where he says, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, verse 23, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. There's literally this battle going on between your spirit and your flesh. Welcome to the battle, right? Welcome to the battle. Remember when Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane to his disciples, he said, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. That's the reality of where we're at as Christ followers. Your spirit is willing. Your spirit, your born-again spirit, is the one who wills to do good. And I want to do God's will. But your flesh, the weakness, doesn't want to do the will of God. And if you try to walk in your own human effort, you try to do life in your flesh, one, it will not please God. The Bible says it's impossible to please God in the flesh. But one, there won't be that power, that supernatural power to overcome. The Bible says, he said, he, Paul goes on in Romans 8 to say, if you walk in the flesh, if you live according to those things, it'll bring death to you. But if we walk in the Spirit, life. And see, listen to what he says here in the end of Romans 7. He cries out and he says, O wretched man that I am, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And he goes on in chapter 8. And he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Listen, for the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. There's the answer right there. How? Do you and I overcome this 
temptation or this pressure or this pushing in upon me from this flesh? How do we win this war? We're at, this, we're at war here. The desires are going back and forth. And how is it that I can overcome? Paul says, who will deliver me? And he says, it's Jesus who will deliver me from this. And he goes on to explain that it's because the law of the spirit of life, which is what I've just been talking about, his life, his righteousness sets us free from the law of sin and death. That his spirit gives you the power to overcome. This is what Paul's talking about. See, we live in a world where, and we've talked about this a lot, where the kingdom of God has come. Because Jesus has come, he has brought the kingdom. And he's living inside of us. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You ever heard that verse, right, in 2 Corinthians 3? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When his spirit comes inside of you, makes you righteous, he brings the kingdom of God. But all around us, there's still this brokenness in this world, and there's still this brokenness in us. And so there's this dynamic that the kingdom is here, and yet the kingdom of darkness continues to operate, continues to bring deception and hurt and brokenness to people. And there's this war between spirit and flesh right inside of us. There's this war between light and darkness, between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And what the Lord's wanting to do is he's wanting to get his will done on earth through you. He's wanting to get his kingdom on earth through you by producing the character of Christ through us and having his life flow through us to other people. And the way that we overcome, he says, by walking in the Spirit. He says it's by this principle or this law of the Spirit of life. That's what we're going to be learning how to do in this series. Really very simple, how to walk in the Spirit. Again, I encourage you as you're doing your devos, you know, because we spend time with God every day around here, you know, go to Romans 6 through 8. Read it and look. Because if the Bible is saying to overcome and to win that victory over the flesh, you, you and I need to learn to walk in the Spirit. I'd say it's one of the most important things as Christians for us to stop and to say, Lord, how do I walk in the Spirit? What does that mean? Because if that remains ambiguous, and if we don't know how to do that, then we're going to continue to operate in our own human ability, we're going to continue to operate in our flesh, and we're not going to see victory. We need to learn how to walk in the Spirit. In fact, look at this in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 basically uh, sums it up really well. If you were, uh, you were curious, say, hey, Dave, make this simple for me. I think Paul kind of clarifies and simplifies it here in Galatians 5. He says it in verse 16. He just simply clarifies the battle like this in verse 15, 16 of chapter 5, Galatians. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, or literally desires of that flesh, that old man. Walk in the Spirit. As if you walk in the Spirit, you will overcome the f- desires of that flesh. You won't gratify, you won't fulfill, you won't be pulled and led into those things. But you'll overcome them as you walk in the Spirit. And then he explains the very thing I just said to you, explains the battle. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Sounds kind of interesting, doesn't it? A lot of times people translate with a capital S there in verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish or will. It's literally the same word. 
so that you don't do what you will to do, like we just looked at in Romans 7. But what he said, but, but I don't know why the Holy Spirit would be struggling with desires from the flesh. Does that make sense? It's not like the flesh is over here desiring to do its own will, and the Holy Spirit's going, oh, tempted? I don't know, I want to do that, but I don't know. No. He's not talking about, in verse 17, it's not a capital S. That's, that's the translator's interpretation. If you look at the context, it's a lowercase s. It's your spirit. Your born-again spirit, and so it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, of course. But it's your spirit. It's, he's saying that the flesh is desiring things that are opposed to the character of Christ, to, and, but, and your spirit desires the will of God, which is opposed to the things of the flesh. And that's the war. It's this war of these desires inside of us. You literally have conflicting desires on the inside of you. And we as Christians need to be brutally honest about that. Does it make sense? This is one of the things that we as Christ followers need to be really good at. If there's really a war going on, if there really is a battle on the inside, and Paul is explaining it to us in Romans 7 in great detail, kind of confusing, and right there in Galatians chapter 5, he says, look, this is why you need to walk in the Spirit, because there is this war going on. Your spirit and your flesh are literally opposed to one another. There's a clash of kingdoms going on, light and dark. Man, one of the first things that we need to do as Christians is become brutally honest about that war. We don't need to hide, ignore, make excuses about the fact that we have flesh. That old man is still trying to hang around. You see what Paul's doing? Paul's not acting like it's not a reality. Paul's saying, yeah, I will to do what I don't want to do, and I, and I don't do what I want to do. Every Christ follower needs to be that brutally honest. Does that make sense? That's one of the things we're going to learn that it means to walk in the Spirit, but that a Christ follower has to come to grips with the reality that I'm not there yet. And so when you're struggling with something, something that you know is not of God, right? And sometimes we don't know it's not of God. We need to learn that it's not of God. But when you know it's not of God, I, I mean, it could be sin, but or like fear or something that's shutting down the fullness of God in your life. He said, Lord, I know that you have more for me, but something's just hindering me. You don't need to hide from it. Act like you've got it all figured out. Does it make sense? Not before God and not before people. We need to become the kind of people that are brutally honest. Yeah, I got flesh. <laughs> I'm not in the flesh, but I've got flesh. I've got something struggling with me. It's no longer I who sin, but sin that dwells in me, he's saying. So he said, you've got to say I got some sin dwelling in me. It's not supposed to be there. I'm not a slave to it anymore, but it's still there. And we need to be brutally honest about that. We also need to be brutally honest with the fact that we're dead to it. Because it's there doesn't mean it's supposed to be there. We as Christ followers, we're not to cope with our problems. We're not to cope with our sin. We're not supposed to coddle it. Like I said earlier, we're not supposed to hide it and make excuses either. The greater reality is that we're dead to it. It has no right to be in your life. Listen, if it's not going to be in heaven, it has no right to be in you. Right? If Jesus didn't struggle with it, 
You don't have to either. Right? Now, now remember, that's not a statement of like, you shouldn't be, you sh- you shouldn't be struggling with it. No, no, no. No, we know why you're struggling with it. <laughs> we need to be honest with the struggle. What I'm saying is, just as he walked, so we can walk, the Bible says in 1 John. As he is in this world, I mean, as he is, so we are in this world. We've been united with Christ so that we've died to sin and we live to righteousness. That reality is the greater reality. Remember in John chapter 1, that Jesus is the light of the world, and it says that darkness could not overcome or the light. His light is stronger than darkness. Even in the natural, if I turn on, when we turn on the light switch, is the light like lighting, pushing the dark? No, you flip on the light, there's no more dark, right? You get this place bright enough, there's no shadows. What do you need to get darkness out? Light. His light overcomes. So, like I said, we need to be brutally honest about the fact that, hey, yeah, I got this stuff dwelling in me. It's not good. But the reality is, is that no, I have authority over that. It has no right to be in me. I'm a child of God. I'm dead to sin and alive to God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am free from that. I'm not a slave to that anymore. And and Paul is saying there in Galatians 5, if you'll walk in the Spirit, he says, walk in the Spirit, which we're going to learn how to do. How do you walk in the Spirit? If you walk in the Spirit, do you see what he said? You will not gratify the crazy sinful nature. He didn't say, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll just struggle all the time. You walk in the Spirit, one day you might get free. If you walk in the Spirit, well, we're all human and we're always going to sin. And... No, he didn't say that. You walk in the Spirit, you won't gratify the craving of sinful nature. There is a power from God that overcomes. Walk in the Spirit, you won't gratify the craving sinful nature. It is God's ability and God's desire in you that overcomes those things. But we need to learn how to surrender to the Spirit, trust the Lord, depend on Him and allow His power to flow through us. Like if there was a, a snake in my house. When we first came and moved into my house, we found all these lizards, like two, they'd sneak in, I don't know. It was hot and they probably wanted it to be cool or something. Or whatever, I don't know, maybe the other way around. Uh, and uh, anyways, they get into our house. You know, not a big deal. But uh, if there's a snake in my house, like a rattlesnake, what, what am I going to do? Well, you know, that just happens, you know. Just life, whatever, whatever happens, what, you know, whatever happens, it must be God's will. You know, I just, that's what people talk about their life, right? You know, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And yet people say, well, it must have been God. What? Whatever happens, well, not just whatever happens is supposed to happen. No, the enemy is a liar. He's a thief. He's a bully. A snake comes into my house. What am I going to do? You know? I'm gonna, oh, I'm going to be so scared. I'm going right? to, oh my God, there's a snake in my house. Everybody run, 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 run. Okay, it was in our bedroom. We'll close the bedroom door. We'll never go in there again. You know, don't mess with it. Just don't mess with the snake. If we're nice to the snake, the snake won't be mean to us, right? Okay, little, okay, Joshua, Joshua, just don't play with the snake. I mean, he's two years old, right? Just don't play with the snake, you know? Don't, don't play with it. What, what are we going to do, right? Are we going to make it our pet, you know? Hey, guys, it's a snake. Let's play with it. Come on over here. No, Joshua, it's okay. Put your hand right there, right there. Yeah, 
Put your hand right there. Oh, he bit you. Whoa, that's awesome, you know? Yeah, he bit you. Oh, uh oh, Joshua just falling down. He's dying now. Okay. You play with the sin? You hide the sin? Do you say, well, I guess it should be there? D- do you see what I'm saying? No, it has no right to be there. And the last time I checked, you got to have something like a shovel, a boot, something, right? What I mean is, you got something to overcome that thing. See, when we as a Christian see things in our life that shouldn't be there, we need to acknowledge it. But just because there's a snake in your house doesn't mean your house is like, I don't know, some den of serpents or something like that. Does it make sense? Just because there's sin in you does not make you a sinner. No, you are the righteousness of God. There might be something that's in there that shouldn't be there, but now that you're a child of God, you have the authority and the power. It's your house, right? The Lord has set you free, and he's the Lord of that house, and he's given you the power and the authority, the wisdom, to get that thing out. You see what I'm saying? So on one hand, we've got to be brutally honest. Yeah, I got, hey, I got, I got a snake in my house. And then I come over here, and I say, Aaron, I tried to get the snake out, and I have no idea how to get it out. And Aaron says, you are a horrible homeowner. Bad. No, of course, he's not going to, be, he's not going to condemn me, right? He's going to say, brother, I know how to get snakes out. I, got a, I had a snake in my house the other day, right? That's called confessing my sin, getting it into the light, and getting some help. And Aaron comes on over here and he says, let me show you how to use this shovel. You know something, right? And get that snake out of that house. And that's the thing. We as Christians need to be very aggressive about this stuff. It's not supposed to be in our lives. And so we're going to learn how to do this, how to walk in the Spirit, and how to get brutally honest with the fact that it's there, and it shouldn't be there. And we're going to make sure, get it out. So you see what I'm saying? That there's one reality that there is sin in our flesh. But the greater reality is the truth that you and I have already been set free and we have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like this over here. I, I was trying to find something dark, but you know, you're going to have to, whoa, sorry about that. That was a bad place to put the table. Sorry, Kurt. Told Kurt to put it over there. Just imagine that this is the things uh, 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 that have been in our flesh, right? Just imagine that's our flesh. It's oil, just oil. And um, just imagine that this is, these are the deceptions, these are the, uh, uh, broken, this is the brokenness and the bondage of sin that's been in our flesh, right? And, uh, let's see here, hold on a sec. Sorry, Fred, I don't want to do it again. All right. So, uh, sure, sure, thanks. So just imagine that this is, uh, this is all that junk that's been in our life. I know it doesn't uh, look like junk. Oil's good. But, uh, but just imagine that. And then when we come to know Jesus, thank you guys, when we come to know Jesus, just get filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes inside of us, right? And um, you guys know that water is more dense than oil, right? So it goes to the bottom. Oil floats to the top. And they don't mix together. And so they separate, as you can see a little bit here. It's a little messy. You can see the oil on the top. And that's the reality that when we were born again, the Holy Spirit came inside of us. But here's what Paul's saying. Now that Christ's righteousness or life is in you, and that other stuff has been crucified to the cross, now you need to walk in the Spirit, which is we're going to learn how to do, because it's only as you continue to walk in the Spirit, trusting and depending on the Lord, that that 
His Holy Spirit, His life, His righteousness pushes that stuff out. Displaces that oil. Clean you up. See what I'm saying? My point is, what's the greater reality? Is it the sin or is it his righteousness? See what I'm saying? Is it the kingdom of darkness or is it the kingdom of light? We need to be honest. But some people in our generation, they're all think authenticity and talking about their sin is like somehow the new Christian virtue. But sometimes those people, they don't recognize the greater reality. They want to stay focused talking about the x-ray, but not about the cure. There's a difference between diagnosing a problem and giving the prognosis to the problem, right? Diagnosis, I got a problem. The prognosis, I have the cure. You see? So that's what Paul's saying in Romans 7. He's saying, yeah, in me, that is in my flesh, sin dwells. But the one who wills to do good is present. And it's what Jesus said. Yeah, your flesh is weak, but your spirit is willing. And that is the greater reality. Remember one time Andrew shared an illustration with me. It's like your flesh, your old man, right? that broken mind, will, and emotions, your suke, that to you another day's Greek word called suke was driving the car and just crashing the car and breaking stuff and messing stuff up. When you were born again, your spirit was born again, and you took over in the driver's seat, right? So that rambunctious, rebellious, uh, uh, obnoxious, you know, guy threw him over. Now he's in like the back seat, you know. He's still around, but he's been displaced. And now you're the one who's driving the car and the Holy Spirit is your co-pilot leading you, guiding you. And the thing is, is that in terms of forgiveness, you're absolutely righteous in Christ. You know, you go through a pothole and mud splashes on your car, doesn't make you dirty, right? And that's not necessarily the point of this series, but I just want you to understand that you're, when you're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, you're walking in his righteousness. So you sin. You still remain righteous. You still remain his child. You still remain loved and accepted, right? Clean off the outside of the car and keep going. Every once in a while, that flesh, he tries to grab the steering wheel, you know, flick your ear, trying to distract you. Most of the time, he's trying to say, look at your past, look at your past, look at your past, so you can run into a telephone pole or something. Try to use shame, tries to use accusation and lies. But what we're going to be learning how to do is if you'll keep your eyes on the road, if you'll walk in the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to be your co-pilot and empower you, you learn to drive that car. You learn to walk in the wisdom of God. You learn to walk in the purity of God. You begin to walk in the power of His Spirit. And you'll see the Holy Spirit will produce the character of Christ in you, and you'll overcome those things. Amen? Let's listen to this as we, uh, as we get our hearts ready to respond. Listen to this. <clears throat> Romans 8. Paul's talking about tribulations and persecutions, hard things that go on in this life. And yet he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What is Paul saying? Hey, if God is for you, who can be against you? He says, listen, because God loves you, no matter what you're going through, you're still more than a conqueror. 
Is Paul denying that there's bad things in this world or that we won't go through trials and tribulation? No, he says, no, in the midst of that, you're more than conqueror. Meaning, in the Greek, conqueror would mean what? You win? More than conqueror? Huper? Mikael? Basically, above, more than you're conquering, right? So the difference would be like um, what the Seahawks did (laughs) last night. No, more than conquered. No, conquering would be, oh yeah, we won because the other team missed the field goal at the end of the game. Boy, that was a tough game. But more than conquering is 10, 20 point spread, right? Now we whooped on them. Three touchdowns, right? That kind of a thing. What the Niners are doing right now. No one tell me. No one say anything. Don't tell me. So that's more than conquering. Not that you win, but that you more than win. You see? More than win. I love this one where it says in 1 John, again, referring to deception, deceiving spirits, spirit of the Antichrist, he says this, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Before, we were like puppets, and the enemy was controlling us like a puppet master, puppet controlling guy, no. Missing. And the strings were like attached to our flesh. The enemy, uh, the enemy was controlling us, but the Lord has set you free. And the scriptures say that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so, sure, we go through this life and there's this pressure that pushes on us, this temptation, deception. The enemy tries to get in there. But, but as you know, if the pressure on the inside of us is greater than the pressure on the outside, right, it can exert, we exert that pressure. If we were weak on the inside, that stuff would crush us, right? Like a submarine going too far into the ocean. But, like, but, but not us. What he's saying, greater is he who is in you than he was in the world. So no matter how much pressure is being exerted on you from the enemy or from things going on in this life or from temptation, you have more strength and more power. Why? Because his righteousness is stronger than sin. Amen? His love is stronger than fear. Yes? His joy is more powerful than depression. Yeah? His hope is stronger than discouragement. Do you see what I'm saying? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You are more than a conqueror. Do you see what Paul's trying to say? you see what the Lord is saying to us? Isaiah 61. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. There might be darkness in this world, but his glory is rising in us, like I showed you here in this illustration. Or in John 16, these things I have spoken to you, says Jesus, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What's the greater reality? That you'll have tribulation or that be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. But the greater reality, his reality, is from the kingdom. So it, it takes learning to walk by faith in his word, learning to walk in the spirit. Now that we're citizens of the kingdom, we have to learn a new way of living and a new way of thinking and a new way of talking. That's what we need to do if we're going to overcome. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and let's declare this to the Lord in faith. I'm going to invite you, if you've never done this with us, with us before, I'm simply going to lead you in prayer, lead you in declaring this to the Lord, that there is, uh, we're going to declare these greater realities.
So, just go ahead and repeat after me. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you have set me free from the power of sin. I am dead to sin and alive to God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. A new creation. Born again. Your spirit is in me. And your spirit in me is greater than he who is in the world. I am more than a conqueror. I am free. I have authority over sin. I have the ability. I have enough grace to overcome in any situation. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to give me breakthrough, freedom, healing, that I'm going to overcome, that I'm going to increase and step into all that you have for me. Amen. Just take a second and be honest with the Lord. If there's something inside of you that you know shouldn't be there, or you don't want it there, and the reason you don't want it there is because the Holy Spirit's pointed out. Let the light of the Lord shine upon you. Let's be honest with God right now. If there's something there that's not supposed to be there, just tell Him and ask for His help. But remember, as you confess that thing to the Lord, there's a greater reality. He will help you. He will answer your prayer. He will give you that strength. Just take a second there. Just tell him, tell him what it is and ask him for his help.